This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, August 11th, 2019. Confidence Killers Comparison. Good morning, Connection Church. Good morning. Good morning. It's a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. Amen. 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 Good to be with you today. We continue our series, Confidence Killers. Uh, as we shared just last week, just as there are silent killers that we talk about in, in medical world, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, sleep apnea, things like that, the other silent killers out there that we don't talk a lot about because they don't kill the body, but instead they kill our confidence. That's what we're looking at today and next week. Confidence killers today, our focus is on comparison. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live. Hey, everybody. You know, we're not just this congregation, but there's a whole online congregation that joins us each week. And we're honored that you've chosen to set aside an hour this morning to worship God. Last week was a little bit of a rough service for me, and I appreciate all of your prayers and your emails and your texts, and um, I just want you to know that we are all walking this out together. Isn't that the Amen. truth? Amen. Absolutely. And so God loves each one, and it's no accident that any one of you are here this morning. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, and there is no accident that any one of us are here right now or online. God, open our hearts that we might experience you and be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So, comparison. <clears throat> Now, Webster gives us this definition, an examination of two or more items to establish similarities and differences. Well, that doesn't seem so bad, does it? Why in the world would comparison with that definition be a confidence killer? Well, the reason is because most of the time when we compare, we don't simply look at the similarities and differences, but in the process, we value, we rank, we uh, uh, give importance to those similarities and differences, and in so doing, we place ourselves either better or worse than someone else. And, and when we look at ourselves as better, it often results in pride on our part. And pride, many say, is the source of all sin. Now, pride isn't usually a confidence killer. In fact, it's more likely it uh, brings about false confidence in us. And, uh, well, that's a message for a whole nother Sunday morning there. So today, our focus is on when we compare and we, we find ourselves on the short end of the stick, like we're not measuring up, when we find our self-esteem kind of draining away, waning away, because our confidence is dying. That's the challenge for us, when we compare ourselves to others and we come up short. It's a confidence killer. And it's so easy to do. As many of you know, I had my right knee replaced early June. About Tuesday will be 10 weeks. I appreciate the prayers and 
the many uh, askings how it's going. It's going very well. It's getting better, better by the day. And, um, but, um, you know, I'd had the other one done, my left one done, about a year and a half ago, February of 18. And, and so I, I kind of knew what to expect. It wasn't my first knee replacement rodeo, if you're with me here. And, and with both knees, I was repeatedly told that all, everybody's knees are different. Even your two are going to be different. You, you can't really compare them to each other. They're, don't expect it to be exactly the same as the other. So the day after surgery, they take it down to the in-hospital rehab room for some fun. Um, they want to see how painfully you can bend, bend the knee that first day after they did incredible things to it in the surgical suite there. Anyway, um, I, I, first thing I do, I sit down, and what's the first thing I do, of course, and most of the people in their knees, some hips, but mostly I look around and I, hello, and I compare. Now, now the ultimate goal with PT, with physical therapy, is to get that thing back doing what it used to do, and Ultimately, it's, you know, strengthening in the back, but ultimately, too, is to bend it straight this way and a minimum, ultimate, ultimate minimum, 120 degrees this way, okay, 120 degrees ultimate. Now, for some, that takes longer than others. Now, my knee at this point, if I'm recalling, wasn't even bending 80, okay? So we got a long way to go, and I'm sitting there, and there's this gal, maybe from me to the piano, and I hear her saying, this is the day after she had her knee surgically replaced. And she says, well, I'm at 118. <laughs> Come on, 118. And I hate to say this, she was a little older than I am. I mean, whatever that has to do with anything, I don't know. <laughs> 118. And, and, and so, I mean, so I'm thinking, you know, looking back, what was I, jealous? <laughs> yeah feeling kind of wimpy that I should be able to stretch mine a little bit more? Well, duh, come on, I'm a guy. And am I wondering why I can't start at 118 like this gal instead of at around 80 and maybe miss some of that wonderful pain that we get to go through in the following weeks? You bet. You bet. Pain, I'd you like... called it torture. I'm trying to try not be so wimpy here, you know? It's... <laughs> Well, that's what they say. PT stands for, what is it? Painful torture. Yeah. Okay. So, and the thing is, I knew this knee would eventually get to 120 because this knee also was, you know, my, my first physical therapy outside the hospital. The woman's pushing, I mean, she's pushing it. I said, where are we at? She says, 85. And I said, what do we got to get to? She says, 120. But it got to 120. I know it's going to get there. And, in fact, this got there a couple weeks ago. So, you know, it, it came, yeah, yeah, thanks, Nee. Thank you, Nee. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, PT person. Thank you, PT. <clears throat> they, they enjoy. Anyway, but there I was, first day out, not even out, I'm still in the hospital. First day after the surgery, and I'm already comparing, right, and, and wondering what's wrong with me, and and my knee, you know, that confidence killer. Is this thing ever going to get to 120 when I'm not starting out at 118? Yeah. So, Alan. Yeah. When we look in scripture, it doesn't take long for comparison to surface. In fact, we see it in Genesis chapter 4. 
So it's right off in the very beginning of the Bible, we see this confidence killer. So we have Adam and Eve, right? Eve gives birth to a son named Cain, and then gives birth to another son named Abel, Cain and Abel. Abel kept the field, and Cain worked the soil. Check out what happens next. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 7. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Mm. So we got these brothers, each bringing an offering to the Lord, and the Lord looks favorably on one and not the other, and we got to wonder, why would God do this? You know, isn't, isn't God fair? Why, why does this, it just doesn't seem fair. But then we look more closely, and if you look closely, look at what Cain brought. He brought what? Some of the fruits. Say some of the fruits. Some of the fruits. Some. Abel also brought an offering, and he brought some of the firstborn. Say, some of the firstborn. Some of the firstborn. You see the key difference there is that word, firstborn. See, God wants our best, our first, off the top. He doesn't want... How many here like leftovers? Okay, good. God doesn't. (laughs) So you all that don't like leftovers, you're in good company. And God likes leftovers even less than you do. God doesn't want our second, third, fourth, and fifth. God wants first fruits, first flocks. Does it make sense? He wants our best all the time, not just out of the field. Uh, He wants the best out of us at all times. And And it seems that Abel gave him the best, but Cain didn't. And so what does Cain do? It's really interesting what Cain does. He gets angry. And God says, he doesn't want us to get angry. He wants us to give, us, give him our best. Don't get angry. Give me your best. Give me what's right. Do what's right. Follow my instruction, God says. He says, by the way, when you don't do what's right, sin is sitting, crouching at the door, waiting to enter. Can't wait to get in. And so we have to be ready at all times, don't we? On guard. Picking it up at verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) Famous line. Am I my brother's keeper, right? And so Cain gets mad. Now, he doesn't get mad at God. That might have made sense. God didn't accept. Gosh, God, why didn't you? He didn't get mad at God, though. And he didn't get mad at himself, did he? He didn't get mad at himself for not offering less than his best to God. He gets mad at his brother 
who didn't do anything wrong. The only thing his brother did was give God his best, which is what we're called to do. But see, here's what comparison can do to us. Misplaced feelings of inadequacy. Misplaced anger to the point of violence at times. In this case, to the point of murder. Murder. You know, I love, I love this book of Genesis. It's, it's one of my top favorite books of the Bible. And the reason I love it is because the stories in this book are our stories. Your stories, my stories. They have other names, but they're still our stories. What Cain here does here isn't just about Cain. Because when we look at him, we're looking in a mirror, aren't we? (laughs) How often have I come up short, felt inadequate, didn't measure up by comparison, and then misplaced my feeling, and as a result, misplaced my anger. I haven't murdered anybody. (laughs) 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 Yet. No, I haven't murdered anybody. But I've gotten very upset, and and, and I've directed anger at at the wrong person at times. What about you? What about you? We do tend to measure ourselves against others, don't we? We do it, but here's the good news. That is not how God operates. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, I'm measuring you against this person or against that person. That is not how he works. God created every one of us in this place and on the planet just special, unique. You're wired uh, just the way God did it. God created you. You have individual talents, you have individual gifts, individual abilities, individual looks. And when we realize this relationship with Jesus Christ, when we say yes to God, then the Holy Spirit like floods us and comes in and resides in us. What a gift that is, an incredible gift. And so with that gift, we each have these special giftings. It's not a talent but it's a spiritual gift. It's the Holy Spirit working in and through us. And I might say, gosh, I want to be able to play the piano like Diane Laird. I mean, that is a spiritual gift. Don't we all? Yeah. I just have a talent with it, but it just oozes out of her naturally. That's the spiritual gift. And we need to be comfortable in our own skin and to say, okay, that's how God wired me. And this is the way you've wired me, God, so let me use what I have for you. What I do has nothing to do with what this person does, has nothing to do with that. We need to be comfortable in our own skin, and so often we're not. We just look around and say, I want that, 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 and that. But that other person might be looking at you in the same way, and none of it's good. We all just need to be comfortable with who we are. Because of whose we are. In the book of 1 Samuel, it's found in the old part of the Bible, the first part, the Old Testament, chapter 16, we read that King Saul is in a very dark place. And he's told that music will make him feel better. Well, yeah. And he says, and he's told specifically music played on the lyre. Now, the lyre is an ancient instrument, kind of like a small portable harp. Anyway, Saul tells his servants to find someone who plays well. 
And one of them suggests this, this guy named David, who's the son of a guy named Jesse, and they live in Bethlehem. And so King Saul sends for this guy, David. And David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And so we read here that Saul, King Saul, loved David greatly, and David became his armor-bearer. That means David was his right-hand man. David found favor in Saul's sight. And after that, David was really successful wherever Saul sent him. And as a result, Saul placed him over the entire army and all the people, servants included, approved. Now while the army was on the way home from a particularly successful battle, the women along the route there came out of the towns of Israel, Scripture tells us, singing and dancing in the street. They're celebrating this victory. And Scripture, 1 Samuel 18, 7 through 9, tells us this. says, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousand, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have... They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And so this comparison that we see between Saul and David created such jealousy in Saul that the next day, while David was playing his lyre for the king, which he did regularly, Check this out. Saul hurled a spear at David, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. I mean, that's some pretty intense reaction, isn't it? <laughs> well, David eluded him not once, but twice. And Scripture tells us that Saul became afraid of David because he realized that the Lord was with David. And David continued to be successful in the military campaigns and Saul became more and more afraid of David. And so comparison changed the relationship Saul had for David from one of love to one of fear and jealousy. Rather than celebrating David's success, Saul focused on how, on how the numbers had been compared, David's tens of thousands to Saul's thousands. And what's really interesting is, at this point, David is still... Extremely loyal to Saul, extremely loyal, and would have done virtually anything to serve him. Saul's jealousy and fear and attacks are what drove David away. Comparison. Maybe there's someone in your life that, that you liked a lot or maybe even loved, but then you started doing that comparison thing. And if you kind of dwell, if you land there for a while, it can turn into ugly. Comparison becomes resentment. For example, if you work really, really hard at your job and, and you're doing the best you can, but then you overhear somebody say, oh, so-and-so, not, not you, but so-and-so did a really great job. Look at, look at what they're doing. And then you're like, hang on. 
to yourself. I mean, your thoughts start really messing. Hang on, I, I do a really good job. <laughs> I, I'm working really hard. And then you hear that and you think, I don't even think I like that person anymore. Okay, I know y'all felt that before. Okay, you don't have to nod or anything. You don't have to acknowledge it. We're not even going to ask for an amen on no, that. No, no. Or how about in your family? <laughs> so I'm the oldest of five kids. And I was into music, and the rest of my siblings were into sports. And that's what we talked about at the dinner table. And I'm like, gosh, I wish I could get my dad's attention with my, you know, prelude and B by Bach instead of being able to hit a baseball or a softball like my sister did. <laughs> and I started comparing myself. And that takes you down a really kind of bad place. And, and I want to be really clear, my father never made me feel like that. I mean, he, he sat through the concerts. <laughs> but my mind sometimes played tricks on me. And that can take us down this almost bitter road that we don't... We, don't need to be in because it's not good. And unfortunately, when we do that, we start looking a whole lot like Saul. And we might not throw spears at someone, but we might throw spears with our eyes or with our words or with our actions. Mm -hmm. Comparison. It can get really ugly. Hmm. So when I was with uh, Prudential, they ranked us according to sales, basically according to commission and you know, how many policies we sold. and That's natural in, in sales world. They can make comparisons. Personally, actually, I like that because it was a clear-cut measure, and I like that. At the end of the week, good or bad, you knew where you stood, clear-cut. And I didn't do bad, too bad. There was like 42, I think, agents in the district. And I was usually in top 10 anyway, sometimes seven or six. Never top one, two, or three. That just, for whatever reason, just didn't happen. But there was this one guy. I know his name, but I won't share it. This one guy who was like number one frequently. And, and here was the tough part is because I sold a lot of small policies. He had half the number of policies for twice the commission. That means every sale was four times what I sold per policy. And, and, and so I allowed myself to allow this comparison to become kind of a confidence killer as I allowed myself to become a little jealous of this number one guy. And I remember thinking, wishing... You know, if he would just slow down a little bit, if maybe he just saw a little bit smaller policy, then I'd be in a little better position, you know? And then, you know, I was much younger then, not nearly as mature as I am now, you know? But then I, I finally came to the realization, it probably took me a couple years, um, I came to the realization that what he sold had absolutely nothing to do with me, what he sold or didn't sell. Uh, him, him selling less didn't put any more money in my pocket. He didn't put any uh, more food on our table. It didn't take us on any nicer vacations for him to do less. Uh, and even though the company compared us based on those things, I didn't have to allow that ranking to affect me like it did. And Rather than wishing he would slow down, I needed to start speeding up <laughs> if I wanted to rank higher. So in other words, my destiny was not in his hands, but it was in mine. 
If I wanted to rank higher, it was up to me. I'm the only one that can control my sales, my paycheck, my future. And so I needed to find a confidence encourager (laughs) rather than the confidence killer that I had landed on, which is comparison. Valuable lesson to learn. And still, I think, um, able to hang on to that today for the most part. (laughs) For the most part. Some days. (laughs) All right, I want to talk to the ladies in the room. Guys, just don't listen. I think we really get caught in the comparison game. I think we look around and whether it's looks or weight or size of our house or our job or our kids, we just compare. We compare. And so I want to give us a challenge as Connection Women. Let's support one another and let's encourage one another. Let's lift one another up and be happy for one another when we have successes. And let's be one another's champions because that's what God wants. That's what God needs from us to one another. It's an, it can be a pretty mean world out there, but it should never be that way in here. So let's, let's encourage and love on one another. There's an Uh, This is additional, a a period, now I'm starting something new. Additionally, there's a really ugly side of comparison that actually goes to the extra dark side. And what I'm talking about is that you're not just comparing yourself to someone, but you're thinking, I want that instead of you. And you don't have to even move when you hear me say that, but I have heard, not here, but I've heard, I was with someone a couple years ago, it's nobody in this room, and we were out, and this person wasn't well and having trouble walking, and this person said, why do I have to have this and not that person? And I just wanted to say, whoa. But I think if we were all truthful, perhaps we've thought that way. I deserve it, not this person. Comparison is ugly. When jealousy leads to resentment, that's a matter of the heart. So it's really, I'm not just talking to women now. I think it's important to not take just a pulse check, but a heart check. When we take a look at our own insides regarding comparison to jealousy to resentment. Okay, I'm done with that part. You know, throughout the Bible, we read of people comparing themselves to others. And uh, there's a section in the Old Testament where it's like boom, 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 right in a row. We start with Jacob and Esau, twin brothers. Maybe you're familiar with them. Uh, Different as night and day. And the younger Jacob continually worked overtime to try to overtake his brother. Worked overtime to try to gain God's favor. Worked overtime to try to get what God just wanted to give him all along. And you know, aren't we so much like Jacob in some ways? You know, we, we work and work and work trying to gain God's favor. Trying, here I am, Lord, trying to earn what God just wants to hand us on a platter, free, no charge. And then we read about the two wives of Jacob. Their names are Leah and Rachel. They're, they're sisters, and they compete for 
uh, with each other through the birth of their children for the affection of their husband. I don't know how that all works. But anyway, and for recognition in the community. And then we read of the male children of Lee and Rachel and their maidservants. They even had their maidservants involved to try to, if they couldn't give enough kids to be in this competition. Their, their, their male children sold their brother, Joseph. Maybe you've heard about Joseph and the, uh, and the multicolored coat. They sold him into slavery, the result of comparison, the result of jealousy, the result of anger. It's interesting how God works, though, because God can do great things even when we do not so great things, can he? Ironically, God used this action to eventually put Joseph in the number two position in Egypt, just under Pharaoh, overseeing basically all the affairs of the country. And, and these brothers had to come to him when there was a famine in the land. They had to come to their long-lost brother Joseph for food. Didn't recognize him at first. He was kind of looking more Egyptian than he was Hebrew at this point. But it was, a, it was a, an interesting day for Joseph when his brothers recognized that they were coming to him for food. And, and this is what Joseph said. He said, you know, what, what you intended for harm, God was able to use for good. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Over and over and over, we read stories in Scripture of people whose confidence is killed by comparison. Stories of people who, when we look a little bit closer, look a lot like you and me. I'm taking a look at something that just came through my... I'm watching. Who's watching? Hi, everybody. And somebody writes, sometimes it's really hard when we see what our heart's desires being wasted by other people who has it. That's really hard. Mm. This sermon's speaking to me. God knows how hard I've been working on it. Thank you for the reminder. You know what? Our story is in the Bible. Open it up. Read it. You're going to learn a lot about yourself through all the different pages of this book. And what you're really going to learn is that God loves you beyond measure. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that you can be all that God wants you to be when God first thought of you. You don't have to live in that comparison world. You don't have to live in that shame world. But we can live in the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we challenge you to remember that you are made in God's image, which means that you are created with a divine spark. Isn't that exciting to think about a divine spark in you when you claim Christ as your Savior? The breath of God inside of you. Love yourself in humility of what God has done and is doing and will do in and through you. So what about you? What a, where are you with all this that we talked about this morning? You know, when we start negatively comparing ourselves to others, we do a disservice to ourselves. And when we do a disservice to ourselves, we do a disservice to the one who created us. 
because the God of all creation made you and made me to be who we are. And God, don't make no junk. Say it with me. God, don't make no junk. Come on. God, don't make no I know you're all thinking of your English teacher, high school English teachers rolling over and having a heart attack. I was an English teacher, so it's an okay. I know the double negative and all that convolute. What it just means is absolutely God doesn't make any junk. Amen. Amen. God don't make no junk. God doesn't want us comparing ourselves to others to wish we were someone else. If he wanted you to be someone else, he would have made you to be someone else. Why would he made you to be you if he wanted you to be someone else? He doesn't want us to desire to be someone else. He made you to be you. He made me to be me. And God wants us to do everything we can with what he's given us, with who we are and with what we are. And what we are is children of the Most High God. And he has great plans for each and every one of us that we would prosper, that we would do good. And the thing is, God loves you just like you are, but way too much to let you stay right there. (laughs) And me too. Me too. He's going to change us, and he's going to transform us. And change isn't easy, is it? And change, as I know with my knee, isn't always without some pain. You know, the only one that likes pain I mean, excuse me, the only one that likes change is a baby, and babies cry through it. (laughs) Yeah. And when he changes us and transforms us, he's not going to change us into somebody else. He's not going to transform you into that person, but he's going to transform us into the person that he had in mind when he first thought of us so long, long ago. Yeah. You can count on that. You can be, that's the thing that you can be confident of. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you created us and designed us. But Lord, help us get rid of the voices in our head that tells us we're not enough. Help us send them to the rightful place, which is out of our heads and out of our hearts. Lord, you have loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to walk with us, to talk with us, to give us hope and a future, grace and mercy, forgiveness. There's nothing that any one of us have done in this room that would cause you to not love us. Help us come to you with our whole selves, with thanksgiving, and live our life as a thank you note to you. We thank you and praise you in the name of the Father and the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, 
please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.